The big idea of this section is the concept of using the complex plane, the Euler relations, and phasors to describe waves. Before you get into that, we think it's important for you to understand what happens when you add a constant to the argument of a wave function, such as the pi over 2 phase constant, that's added into y2 in equation 140. Remember, the kx plus or minus omega t term describes how the phase of the wave changes over distance, that's the kx term, and how it changes over time, that's the omega t term, and the phase constant tells you when x equals 0 and t equals 0, where is this wave starting, if you will, in its disturbance from equilibrium. And as we talked about in previous sections, when you add a constant in with the argument like that, you essentially shift the wave function, as you can see in figure 122. Notice in that figure, that y2 is offset from y1. In this case, we added a positive phase constant, and the wave is shifted to the left. Be aware that this is plotted versus x, so this is at a given time. In this case, we selected time t equals 0. Another aspect of comparing waves is the idea of leading and lagging. For that, it's helpful to look at a graph of the waves versus time, as in figure 123. Notice that these two waves are shown as a function of time at a given location, which we pick to be x equals 0. If you plot both of them on the same graph as we did in 124, you can see one wave leading and one lagging. Now, as it says in the text, students often find this confusing because it looks, in this case, like the dashed line representing y1 disturbance is somehow ahead of the solid line. But in fact, you have to remember that time is increasing to the right. So the solid line reaches a peak before, that is earlier in time, the dashed line. So in fact, y2 is leading. You might also see this situation described as y1 is lagging in time behind y2. And as it says in the text, when you're assessing leading or lagging, you should always compare the nearest peaks. The remainder of this section deals with the inverse Euler relations, that is, expressing cosine and sine in terms of e to the i theta. Now you can achieve that simply by doing mathematical operations on equation 124. For example, you can see how to get the cosine term, as we did in equation 143, by adding together e to the i theta and e to the minus i theta, dividing by 2. That gives you the cosine. Mathematically, that's pretty straightforward. But we think it's really helpful to understand graphically what's going on. Remember we argued in the previous section that e to the i theta is a phasor. As theta increases, this phasor rotates with its tip on the unit circle in the complex plane. Likewise, e to the minus i theta is also a phasor, this one rotating in the opposite direction as theta increases. So you can see what that looks like in the graph in figure 125. There are two phasors. One is e to the i theta. The lower one is e to the minus i theta. We've shown this for theta having grown a little bit from 0. At theta equals 0, they were both pointed along the real axis. Now e to the i theta has rotated upward, that is anti-clockwise. e to the minus i theta has rotated downward, clockwise, so they're separated. When you add those two phasors together, that's what you can see in figure 126. The upper left portion of that figure you can see for theta equals 0. Both of these phasors were pointing in the same direction, and when you add them together, since each had a magnitude of 1, you now have a magnitude of 2. At theta equals 30 degrees, the e to the i theta phasor is pointing up, the e to the minus i theta phasor is pointing down, and if you add them together, their vertical parts cancel, but their horizontal parts add to a slightly smaller value than when theta equaled 0. 
Likewise, at theta equals 60 degrees, now e to the i theta is even farther upward, e to the minus i theta is even farther downward. Their vertical parts still cancel, their horizontal components are smaller, so they add to a smaller value. And when theta equals 90 degrees, e to the i theta is straight up, e to the minus i theta is straight down, their vertical parts cancel, there is zero horizontal part, so the sum of those two phasors will be zero at that angle. You can keep doing this. Theta gets to be 120 degrees in the top right portion of the figure, then 150, and at 180, the two phasers are both pointing to the left, and you now have a phaser that is minus 2 in magnitude. When you take the values of this combination of phasers, and you realize that the horizontal axis is the real axis in the complex plane, you should be able to see why the cosine of any angle theta can be written as e to the i theta plus e to the minus i theta divided by 2, exactly as it says in equation 143. That's the first of the two inverse Euler relationships. You can do a similar mathematical analysis for sine. That's in the mathematics leading up to equation 144. And here you see that you take e to the i theta minus e to the minus i theta and divide not by 2, but by 2i. You can see why that's true in the phasor diagram in figure 127. Remember, taking minus e to the minus i theta is just like taking e to the minus i theta and flipping its direction. So you see we've put a dashed line in for e to the minus i theta, but we've put a solid line in for minus e to the minus i theta, and we're adding that to e to the positive i theta as these two phasors rotate around. You can see how they add in figure 128, doing an identical analysis to that in the case of the cosine, except now along the imaginary axis, because in this case, the horizontal components cancel and the vertical components add together. In the same way as we had to divide by 2 in order to get the sum of the phasors to add up to the values of the cosine, in this case, we have to divide by 2i, because remember, these add to give us a component along the vertical axis, and the vertical axis is the imaginary axis, so we have to divide by i to get a real answer. So, just as adding two phasors and dividing by two produces a cosine, subtracting two counter-rotating phasors and dividing by two i gives the sine function. That's the second of the inverse Euler relationships. And as it says in the last part of this section, you may run into a simplified version of this kind of diagram in which the complex plane is not really specified, simply two axes, and in this case, a single phasor is shown rotating, and in this case, you can get a sine or cosine function simply by taking the projection of that single phasor onto the vertical axis. That's shown in figure 129. With these Euler and inverse Euler relationships in place, you now have the tools to understand the mathematics of wave functions. Before proceeding on to later chapters, we strongly recommend that you work through the problems at the end of this chapter. You can click through and find complete solutions to all of them. Good luck. We'll talk to you in Chapter 2.